Hi, and welcome to the Two Dogs Podcast for the Western Bulldogs Past Players and Officials Association. My name's Kevin Hillier. And two beauties for you today. One played 206 games for the club, the other played 45 games, but they became very good mates in their time at the football club and uh, still uh, knock around together these days when they get the opportunity. I'm talking about Lindsay Gilby, the cold stream boy, and Mark Alvey, who of course played 45 games for the club. Kicked 28 goals, then went to Essendon. We'll talk about the uh, the famous near transfer to Essendon the first time around, and then of course uh, heading to Essendon the second time around for Mark Elvey, uh, who had a, a very memorable uh, early part of his career, playing a couple of uh, terrific games against the West Coast Eagles. We'll talk about those. Lindsay, of course, uh, a celebrated uh, member of the Bulldogs' uh, 1999 draft, and uh, we'll talk about that and about uh, his time at the Doggies in those prelim finals. That's all coming up. Hope you enjoy it. It's Lindsay Gilby and Mark Elvey. Let's start by uh, going through uh, what you're doing these days, Mark. Elves, you go first, mate. What are you up to these days? I'm still living up in Mildura. I've been back here since 2006, but um, yeah, about four months ago, I started as a commercial manager with SEN Track here in Mildura, which is a great opportunity. So um, Craig Hudson's uh, forever expanding. So yeah, he decided that he wanted to open up in Mildura and he gave me a call and wanted me to head it up. So it's, yeah, it's been wonderful. I've loved it. So um, about four, four to five months into the gig now. And Lindsay, what are you doing? Oh, you might hear in the background, Kev. I'm uh, in, in construction, has been since I, uh, I left the St Kilda Footy Club uh, three years ago. Hey, Kev, I'm, I'm just going up to level nine. I'm going to, all right, the cuts out. Sorry about this, Kev. I'm, no. I'm trying to help your podcast, mate. I've no, got to no, work mate. too. You know? I know, mate. I <laughs> totally understand the, uh, the commercial realities of work. We've left the fantasy world of football behind where you don't actually do anything. We're in the room. still wouldn't be doing much. <laughs> yes. I'm back on now. Well, Bob the Builder's returned. So, so what are you? What are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Were you high rise buildings? What What are you working in, Linz? Uh I work for a company called Built to um, mainly yeah, high rise to refurb. Yeah, they're a tier one construction company, and uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. I do all sorts of things from. Uh, driving certain machinery to uh, jumping on forklifts to getting on the tools and I've kind of found the transition from from football to construction pretty well because a lot of it's very similar. I'm actually working, one of my colleagues who I work with every day is Mark McCurry. It's a really good good company to be a part of. They've got a real good work-life balance with a bit of banter and work hard and have a beer at the end of the day. It's really good. Now, wasn't your my memory is that your brother was a chippy, or your uh, aren't your family in in sort of build the building industry somewhere? Yeah, my whole family virtually. My brother Sean, he's a foreman at another big construction company. They do a lot of stuff out near the airport. And my brother, he was a, at a at a big company called Wilson's Transformers, but he's moved on and started his own skill business. So, um, yeah, everyone's kind of been in construction um, along the journey. My dad was a builder as well. A uh, bit of a jack of all trades type setup, but yeah. yeah, we've always kind of seen that. I'm not an office person, Kev, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like <laughs> Mark. Alves, <laughs> how was the transition? I mean, you've spent, as you mentioned, you've spent a lot of time up in Mildura and you've been coaching footy up there until this year. The transition out of sort of uh, the AFL bubble, for, for want of a better word, into into the real world. Yeah, it was certainly tough. Obviously, I finished uh, playing league footy at about 25 years of age, so obviously didn't have the length of career that I would have liked, so it was back to it was back to uh, base one and start from scratch and try and make your way in the real world. And I actually did some volunteer work at the local radio station when I first moved home yep. for a period of time. Before that, led to an opportunity to do breakfast radio, which I did for seven years, which I just loved. So 
yeah, it was it was certainly a, a big transition initially. But I've loved being back in the country. All my family and friends are back here, and started a family. And yeah, I absolutely love the country more. Your your start, you you got a scholarship, I think, with the Bendigo under 18s and then you you were drafted. Obviously, did you think footy would be part of your life forever, or did you think that it was going to be a, a, a short sort of stint? Yeah, I was probably a little bit naive growing up. All I wanted to do was was play footy, and I got drafted at 17, and that was my focus. And you know, if you had your time again, you'd you'd make sure that you had some other things in the pipeline as well, whether it be through study or or whatever. But yeah, I just had that goal that I wanted to go up play. Play league footy and do it, do it for a long time. Unfortunately, didn't go for as long as I would have liked, but um, that's the way life turns out sometimes. So yep. it was, it was a great, a great learning curve and great experience. Met some wonderful people. So, you know, I certainly enjoyed my eight years being what AFL is. Yeah, a lot of people would kill to do what you what you managed to do. Forty five games for the doggies, uh, fourteen games for Essendon. You know, you've played fifty plus games. A lot of blokes would kill for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once once you look back at it like that. You know, you're certainly very proud. I would love to have had played 200 games like Lindy did, but um, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's you know the experience itself, and then having you know having friends like Lindy and you know, Ralph Smith, Brad Johnson, you know, Dean Solomon was one of my great mates, and so it's just the people you meet. I think that's the great thing about team sport, whether it's you know at AFL level or in the country. Yeah, it's just just the relationships you make from from playing team sports. So how did you two gravitate to, to have a friendship? Was it 29 and 31 or was it just that you've just like linked up because you're both country boys or what? Yeah, I think it, probably because we are country boys and, yeah, pretty much right from the start. Gilbs and I always got along really well and we had a lot of respect for each other. And, yeah, I just really enjoyed his company and, you know, we love shit staring each other a bit. Our friendship probably arose. I was still living at home at the time and I used to bunk on Nathan Brown's couch a couple of times a week, saves me driving back to mum and dad so I could actually get to training and get some adequate night's sleep. So that's how probably our relationship formed and, and uh, being, I was a first-year player, I was, might have been a second or third at that stage, but we were kind of bunking in the house at Ascot Bale together uh, a few nights a week. So, um, and obviously our friendships continued. But Hey, Lynn, so the 1999 draft was a pretty big one, obviously a massive one for you. Were your initial sort of uh, introduction to the club, was that a good experience? No, yeah, it was. No, it was a. It was it only feels like yesterday, Kev. Uh, the '99 draft. My, well, I still remember my first recollection of um, going out there. It was like there was no easing into things. I got drafted. Two days later, I was doing six. I think it was six one k one k time trials out on the Witten Oval. The, the team manager at the time, his nickname was Brutus, and <laughs> he threw me a threw me a pair of runners and. Out you go, and we all got told as the families and that to come come early. And we had a massive breakfast. I remember myself, Patrick Wiggins, we were hocking into the bacon and eggs up in the social club there. And then the runners got thrown and said, "Out you go for your one k time trials." And uh, that's what I vividly remember. And yeah, it goes really quick, but elves are spot on. It it's the people you meet through footy is probably what you cherish the most. Not not so much the amount of games you played. Yes, we're fortunate to to play league footy and Elf said he played 50-odd games and probably less than 4% play a game actually get to play 50 games. So it's a, a hell of an achievement just to just to do what he's done. Were you both always going to be Bulldogs players? Mark, were you, uh, was the Bulldogs always where you're going to finish up or did, were there other clubs sniffing around? Um, it was pretty hard to, um, I'd had a bit of interest that year, but um, being at bottom age to say, every club can only take one 17-year-old, so 
Um, I had a really good year. I won the won the best in Paris, and um, the Bulldogs actually took me down mid year for a weekend. But after that, I didn't hear back from them, so I was I was really flying blind at the draft. So I wasn't too worried if I didn't because I knew that I had another year under eighteen footy still to go. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I was absolutely wrapped when I got picked. Yep. Now, Lynch, did you talk to fourteen clubs pre draft? Yeah, I think it was just a bit of a box ticking exercise from the clubs back then. I don't know how interested they actually were. They was just you'd have to go to the AIS and stand around. If a club come and picked you, they come and sat there and had a little chat to you. And it was funny because out of all the clubs I spoke to, I, I walked away thinking, well, that's not the club I'll be going to because literally they only spoke to like thirty seconds. Um, Scotty Clayton was the recruiting manager at the time, and I just thought, oh, they just wanted to probably just say hello and. Maybe they had their mind up that they were going to pick me anyway if, if obviously they're at a certain stage of the draft. But I was probably more leaning towards my parents who actually, after the draft, said, like, the West Coast Eagles, they were the keenest of the most. They come around to our house a couple of times when I wasn't home and said, listen, if, you, if he's there a certain part of the draft, we'll, we'll, we'll take him. And that's stuff I only heard after it. But irrespective of that, you're just happy to get the opportunity wherever you go and it was funny enough that oh, I hated the Bulldogs as a kid growing up, and but obviously now they you cut me open. I'm red, white, and blue, and yeah, yeah, couldn't have, couldn't have worked out any better, Kev. Yeah, and did is that right? I, I, I think it was on uh, the podcast you did with Bobby Murphy. Your dad gave up smoking the day you were drafted. Yeah, dad was a heavy smoker. He was a pack of Winnie Reds a day. That's probably not all he smoked too, Kev, behind closed doors. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so he 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 went cold turkey the day I got drafted. Yeah, you never had a smoke since. Hey, uh, Elvis, those uh, those early for both of you, the early years were pretty tough because you got knocked around a fair bit injury wise, so you, and struggled to get to, to get a, a chance in the in the early part of your time at the doggy selves. Yeah, it was certainly frustrating, Kev. I remember, I think it was my um, third preseason. I'd had a really good summer, and we were playing an intra club game. And as I, I got a centre clearance, and as I went to kick it, I got pushed, and I actually kicked my leg and broke it. So I missed about twelve to sixteen weeks, so that really ruined. Um, my third season then I think it was my fourth year I, I played every game and I was starting to really establish myself then round three into my fifth season or sixth season I think it was I um, yeah got tackled by Eddie at Eddie had and did, did, did my knee so I did an ACL and yeah that really stopped me in the tracks which was unfortunate injuries are part of the game but yeah probably the broken leg and the ACL um, just couldn't come at worse times because I was just starting to really um, cement myself and and uh, yeah, like in the, not only in the side but in the eighteen, I was playing on the wing, you know, week in week out, and, and started playing some good footy. But you know, that's that's just part of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. What about your early time? But uh, didn't you didn't some friendly fire knock you over at one stage? Early doors wins. See, my first year, especially, I did the whole preseason, the first inter club match, well, not inter club practice match, out at Waverley against Essendon. I broke my collarbone, so then I missed like seven or eight weeks from that. And then um, one of my first sessions back, I ran into Kingsley Hunter training and, and re-broke it again. So, and then I ended up playing a little bit for the Werribee Reserves in those days and, and then ended up finishing the senior. I only played a couple of games in the seniors by the end of my first year, first game, sorry, first year, and that was for Werribee. But um, I, I think things were different back then, Kevin, in the fact that you, you would have to play four or five good games in the Reserves before you even kind of got considered to make us. Make maybe the final squad. Yeah. So you really have to earn your games. Where probably now, what you find is if someone has a good game in the twos, they can get a game the next week. Obviously, depending on depth and so forth. But you have to earn your stripes. Daniel Cross was another 
who, who really oh, had yeah. the Ernie stripes. And you'd play four or five good games in the VFL and still not get a look in. And, and Alice can probably sense where I'm coming from here. He probably went through the same boat in his early years as well. That you really have to earn your games. And I reckon that can hold you in good stead later in your career if you get to that stage because you don't take things for granted. And, um, yeah, I played 206 games, but you look back and it could have I had a coach that probably didn't believe in me as much um, and then Rocket came along and actually believed in me. So it, it can pan out either way, but I reckon back in our day, especially, you had to earn your games yep. uh, probably some, than not so much now. What's your memory of your first game, Alves, uh, against the Eagles? Yeah, that was um, it was a packed house at the Wacker. Um, it was a strange night because uh, we kicked eight goals to zip in the first quarter and then West Coast kicked eight goals to zip in the second quarter. So we, right. things went in level at half-time. Yeah, I remember I, I think I got only got about 10 minutes. Um, I think it was the last 10 minutes of the game. But, yeah, it was just a crazy atmosphere. That was back in the day when they still had all the all the big bodies playing, like McKenna and Worsfold and Jakovic. So, yeah, West Coast was still at their house at that stage. But, yeah, it was a great experience. And that was the night that uh, Brownie got in trouble for um, spitting on the crowd. So, it was a very interesting night. Mm. As only Nathan could do. <laughs> As only Brandy could do, yes. <laughs> Hang on, he was your landlord there for a while, wasn't he? He looked after you two blokes. Set a great example for us, given the, given the crowd the bird. He was always up to something, Brandy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, your first game, Lindsay, was against Collingwood back in, what, was it 2001? Yeah, yeah, two, I think early 2001. I remember Simon Cox gave me my first kick in league footy. I think the, the result didn't go our way, but obviously it was an experience that you never forget, nonetheless. But yeah, and but the thing about it, it only feels like yesterday, which I said earlier. Yeah. Of, your career does, and it goes really quick. And I remember walking through the doors, and Scott Wine said, "Actually, you really enjoy it because it goes quick." And at the time, you're young and naive, and go, "Oh yeah, right, okay." Even though I knew how good of a player I was, you kind of didn't take it on board. But you definitely realise that those those guys were right down the track. And uh, but we we're now into certain aspects of our lives and families and kids. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yep. How, uh, how's the body these days, Alves? Uh, it's not great, Kev. No, because then when I, I had those injuries when I played in Melbourne, then I moved back home and my very first game back in the district here in St. Razor, I actually snapped my uh, my left leg in half really bad. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was pretty horrific. I missed a year and I had that steel rod. Um, still to this day, that gives me a lot of grief. So I missed all of that season. Then my second game back the following year, I had my jaw broken in three spots. So I had to go to Melbourne and get it all wired up and have plates. I've still got a plate in one side of my mouth. I actually can't. I've lost all the nerve feeling in one side of my mouth. So I actually can't chew my food on that side. Oh, God. Yeah, and then about three years later, my other leg, I actually I had, I got kicked in that leg and snapped that in half as well. So, um, yeah, the poor old body's been put through the ringer a bit. And I'm actually playing a fair bit of golf these days. I, I can't walk 18 hours. So I've got to have a cart every time I fly. So I reckon I'm going to pay for it for the rest of my life. But, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I was going to ask you the the, the, the was it worth it question. Yeah, no, absolutely it was. I mean, when you play a contact sport like that, you, yeah, you're going to get injuries at, at different stages. I mean, some guys are pretty lucky to go through most of their careers and, and, and escape it, but yeah, it's just part and parcel of the game, unfortunately. Lynn, your bot, obviously, you're a you know, big construction worker these days. Um, are you fit? No, no, my body's okay. I actually probably end up playing some games for Bell Reynolds Football Club this coming season. Uh, I've got some friends up there. Which obviously that's the league that Mark coaches in as well. Oh, yeah, no, no wonder he retired. No wonder he retired. I just have a kick up in the uh, yeah the Central Murray League and 
your mind is probably a lot quicker than what your body is these days, a lot mind. Yeah. If I can get a game in, I'm almost 40, but it's, um, my body feels okay. Um, a bit pudgy around the edges, but that's okay. You've got to get through. Yep. Hey, Mark, tell us the uh, the famous fact story that, that uh, sort of obviously haunts your uh, talk of your football career. The what, sorry? The facts story. What's the fax machine. Yes. Oh, yes, the fact, the good old fax machine. Yeah, oh, my God. I'll never forget that day. I was. Um, there's been a bit happening uh, throughout the week uh, because after I did my knee, Stephen Newport at the time, he wasn't. He wasn't forthcoming uh, with with a contract extension. I was out of contract, and so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't real happy at that stage. And there was a bit happening, and and uh, yeah, I got on the last day of the trade period. I got I got a phone call at that quarter past twelve. The trade deadline was at two pm, uh, so I had to duck up to a, a friend uh, business, sign some paperwork, get him to sign it as well. Back to back. So from my from my end, my paperwork had gone through at about one o'clock. Then it was up to the two clubs. So I just sat in my car waiting. Um, apparently. Uh, the Bulldogs' paperwork had gone through in time, so we're just waiting for guessing paperwork, but there was a log jam because so many deals were trying to come through, and my yeah. paperwork didn't come through until 202, and the AFL said no deal. So, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was crazy time, so I ended up staying at the Dogs, and then, uh, ironically, did my knee against Essendon, who I was, uh, would have been playing for instead. So it's crazy how things worked out at times. Oh, God, there you go. Were you, uh, yeah. were you courted by other clubs during your career, Linz, or were you, uh, the Bulldogs through and through, and you didn't have any of those... Contract renewal things. I can't remember any. Uh, I got offered at the end of 2004. I got offered a um, – because I had Peter Rode as a coach and I never really got along with Peter. Yep. Um, I felt him pretty bland and and didn't have much much of an idea. That's just how I felt. Mm. I, I finished 2004 really well. I played the last eight or nine games and ended up finishing, I think, eight or ninth in the best and fairest. And, and actually, Paul Ruse rang me up a few days after the season had finished and said, would you come and – fly up to Sydney and have a meeting with us. And I said, yeah, happy to. That'd be great. And I had a year to go on my contract at that stage. But Rodney Eade was already appointed the coach with about two or three rounds to go. So I flew to Sydney and, yeah, he just said, listen, we, we thought you can play. We don't understand in a way why you've played a lot of VFL footy, especially this year. And we've had our kind of recruiters watching you. And they put a three-year deal on the table and really showed belief in me. And I just I, I asked for a trade request at the end of 2004 to go to Sydney on a three-year deal, but uh, Rodney Ead said I wasn't going anywhere because I was under contract. So um, he just said, "Listen, do a good pre-season again, and we'll, we'll, I'll give you a good opportunity." And yeah, kind of look back as yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, and that that finished up being a pretty good, uh, albeit you know as close as we got to a grand final. But that that actually was a pretty successful period for the club when you look back on it. Yeah, it was. I guess we probably we probably had the list there. It probably wasn't, I guess, utilised probably to the best of its ability, maybe at that time. So um, Rodney seen that, and we we played some good footy, but unfortunately we uh, we got we got close, but not close enough. But that's how footy goes, and yeah, you win some, you lose some. I'm sure you played in the final, and uh, your four, I think your fourth game was a final again in the Eagles uh, in a qualifying final. I think it was. Yeah, it was actually at the MCG. It was. It was a windy, gusty night. I think, as a side, we kicked the ball out in the full about 20 times that night. It was, um, yeah, that was costly. The side had had a great year um, when it was my three or four points. And, yeah, it was just a game that, that we should have won. I, I, yeah, it was, it was a great atmosphere. Once again against West Coast, it was still that massive body side. So I actually won the last possession of the night in the centre bounce and uh, drew the pass to Hutto was caught behind. So if he was in front, he probably would have marked it and had a shot after the sign. So, 
um, yeah, only my fourth game was a great experience. What are your fondest? Have you got a game that sticks out in your in your in your history that you know? You go, oh yeah, no, that's the one I probably enjoyed the most. Uh, probably there was two. Probably my first eighteen games. I, I never, I, I didn't play over half. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on the bench, and um, then I think it was about my nineteenth game. I got back in the side, and, and Terry and I had, had some pretty honest conversations, and I said, next time you pick me, make sure you give me a proper run. So. Uh, it was Chris Grant's 250th game, the MCG. Um, against Hawthorne, I remember this, Elves, yes. Yeah, and it was the first time I got to play a full game and I had over 30 possessions and played really well. And, and we won um, in Granny's 250th and then we went back to Granny's that night and we all had a great night. So that one sticks out. And then another one was down at Geelong, uh, beating Geelong at Geelong. Um, I think it was Rowan Smith's 200th game and I think Gilbs and I actually carried Smithy off that day. So... Um, that was a great win. We come from behind. Smithy kicked three in about 15 minutes, I think, in the second quarter to ignite us. And yeah, that night we had a great night as well. So, yeah, they're probably a couple of games, uh, big milestone games for some legends in the club that, yeah. um, that really stick out. That Geelong game, we were 30-odd points behind, weren't we? We were a long yeah. way behind. Yeah. And Smithy cut, kicked a few big goals that day. I do remember that game very well. Lindsay, there, was it the prelim finals? Are they the ones that both, you know, bring a, bring a smile to your face and a, and a frown at the same time? Well, probably more so half round. Yeah, we had it. We had 2009. We were clearly the best team on the night. We just didn't get the result done. They just think Kilda had a tall number twelve at the end, and at their front half, it was just he was just too good. I think we were plus thirty inside fifties, plus forty contested possessions. We absolutely smashed. There's a couple of decisions that didn't go our way from the umpires those nights. There's no game that sticks out. Els pinpointed the Geelong game because him and I were so close to Rowan. So, so that meant a lot. Certain individual games that you're obviously proud of, but I guess there's the a final against Sydney. We ended up winning. I think it was Andrew Hooper's first game, but we we're pretty banged up, and we just got over the line. But going into the prelim, we were, yeah, we we're banged up and probably fired our last shot in that semi. But yeah, there's nothing that actually stands out, but just more so probably that Geelong one with Els. Yeah. How close did you come to uh, taking up an offer to go to America and have a trial as a as a kicker? Probably around 2006, I used to get up at real early in the morning, go out to Greensboro and kick an NFL ball with someone, uh, won't mention his name, and try, he was trying to set up a pathway for me. But at that time, I was just about to sign a, a decent contract at the Bulldogs and a lengthy contract. The, the advice I got from people overseas was, I think you should come over and, and we think you've got what it takes. But at that time, I had a three-year guaranteed contract sitting on the table to one, if you know the NFL and how it works, you can go over there and there's no contract. And you can punt and be sacked. You can be actually sacked at the end of training um, if you don't punt well. So I had an opportunity, but looking back on it now, I made the right call and uh, happy with how things turned out. Yep. Now, there's a couple of old Bulldogs. Uh, the modern game, uh, the way it's played, uh, things like, you know, uh, medical substitutes and all that stuff. How do, you, how do you like and enjoy and view the modern game, Alves? I'll always love footy, even though I do get frustrated, especially in recent times. I think we're just we're making too many rule changes, and um, we just need to let let the game settle for a little while, and let the game evolve. Yeah, it's it is frustrating at times, that's for sure. And yeah, I, 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 can, I get concerned that Stephen Hawking is trying to justify his pay packet at times and making all these rule changes. I just like to leave it, let us leave the game alone and and let it evolve for a little while. I'm not sure what Lynn thinks. Yep, Lynn's? Yeah, I. I Totally agree with Els. I think we see the game pretty similar. The rule that they've just brought in is coaches are smart. They'll be able to manipulate certain things. 
I don't agree with if the player doesn't get on that a game goes to his record or um, if he happens to be a sub and doesn't get on in the grand final, he gets a medallion. Just those types of things. Yeah, too many rule changes and all that stuff for me uh, of late. Hey, thank you both for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, glad to see you both going well uh, post-football. And uh, uh, don't fall. <laughs> be careful getting in that lift if you're up on the ninth floor, Linz. And, uh, Mark, good luck no. with SEN track, mate. Hope you make a fortune. Uh, good on you, Kev. Good to chat, mate. And uh, good stuff as well, Gilbs. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks to Lindsay and to Mark. And we're glad he got out of that lift and everything's fine on the construction site. Like doing an episode with a couple of the village people. Uh, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Two Dogs podcast. With thanks to the uh, the Past Players and Officials Association. Don't forget their Facebook page, also the uh, part of the website, the Bulldogs website, where you can click on and uh, and catch former episodes of, uh, of this podcast. Uh, if you want to hear from uh, Stevie Powell and Gordon Casey, Simon Beasley and Rick Kennedy teamed up and had a chat to me, Barry Round and Bernie Quinlan, Dale Morris, Dr Jake Landsberger, uh, Simon Atkins and uh, Daniel Cross, uh, Scott West and Todd Curley uh, and Ross Abbey and uh, and Alan Stoneham. They're all there for you to have a listen to. And of course, our last episode before this one with Gary Merrington and Robert McGee. So they're all there. The Two Dogs podcast enjoyed this one. Well, go back and have a listen to one of the other ones as well. And until the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Go the doggies. Go the doggies.